So we are in a series, um, continuing the series called Seven, where we're going through the seven deadly sins. Not necessarily topics that we overly want to talk about and look inside of our lives to make sure we, are, we do not engage with these sins. But I do believe that if we continue down this path of studying this, we can do a very good job of sending of our hearts and our lives around Jesus Christ, which is the main goal. Today's main thing is this. Greed says, me first. Jesus says, others first. Take your pick. And I want to share a story like I always do at the beginning of my, my lessons about how I'm a terrible person. So when I was uh, 10 years old, uh, this is the very first time I remember having some sort of greed in my life. And I can't believe I'm sharing this story. It's going to make me look awful. The one thing that my, our family always did, my dad was a doctor. He got home a little late. I went growing up. He worked at St. Joe Hospital. So it was kind of random on when he got home. And we would have dinner together when he got home. We always wait, waited until dad got home. And we ate in the kitchen. And our kitchen had this kind of bar top, um, granite countertop. We had these bar stools that we would eat on every single day. And we could look through the family room and see the TV. So we could still have the TV on. But most of the time, dad would mute the TV. And then he would just share all of his stories about different types of cancer and all these different things. It was a great dinner conversation every single day. And so me and my brother just sat there quietly just waiting for dad to be quiet uh, about cancer. And uh, then whenever dessert came, uh, me and my brother being young, we were not allowed in the family room uh, to eat dessert. So we had to stay in the kitchen while my parents went into the family room to watch like Jeopardy or something. So once again, me and my brother are not paying attention. And, but we both got dessert. It was always the same dessert almost every time. It was some sort of ice cream bar of some way. And me and my brother got the exact same amount. But I thought in my, my head, how can I convince my brother that I have more ice cream than him? But we have the same. I'm a terrible brother. But I think it's my brotherly duty to make sure that, I, that he knows that I'm better. So I convince him. I've come up with this plan in my head. I said, maybe if I can convince him to eat all of his really quickly, that it will look like I have more. So I said, hey, Tommy, is it okay if we do a race? And we'll race to see who can eat our desserts the fastest. And of course, my younger, younger siblings, who's the younger siblings out there? You never back down to a challenge. You probably always lose, but you never back down. And I just want to make sure to tell you guys I always won in, my, in our races. He probably will tell a different story. And he goes and he scarfs down all of this ice cream really, really fast, gets a brain freeze, stops, and contemplates life, and then continues to eat the rest of his ice cream. And he looks at me and goes, ha, I won. And I remember looking at him, this is terrible, and I said, you won? How come I still have the most ice cream? And he just was devastated and started crying. And then I got in trouble for not eating my ice cream as fast as my brother did. If you are parents, you know you, get, you yell at your kids for silly things. But in my life, Greed was something that was always a victory over something. To show people that I had the most, that I had the most clothes, I had the most money, I had the biggest house, I had the, I had the most status in my life. Greed in my life was something that came as a victory over other people. Even in Christian schools growing up, I was told, you can do whatever you want in your life. Is that, and now, but as I continue in ministry... And as I get older, 
I realized that I started and was told that greed was an important thing in your life, that you need to get yours. You need to make the most money for you and your family. And as I go older and I continue down my life, I've realized that greed wasn't something that I learned along the way, but something that I was brought up with. And then I've slowly peeled away from myself over the years. I, I really want to share with you guys three different things about greed. The very first, the, 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 the main thing about greed is that greed comes with I, with me. Greed at its core is I, not anybody else. So I want to share three things with you guys today on how we together can have a healing heart over greed and that we can center our lives around Christ and nothing else. The very first point that I want to make today is if you want to heal your heart from greed, number one, you need to get over yourself. You just need to get over yourself. A lot of us today, the reason that we have greed at all in our life is because we believe that we need. We don't have enough. We believe that we need to consume as much as possible. Whenever people ask, why do you need to do that? It's because I want to. There's no other good reason. If you ask about the things or something that you buy or why you make a decision, if you don't have a good reason, it's because I want to. Ephesians 5.10 says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. This too is meaningless. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in this world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Why, and I'm speaking to myself here, why do we live our life acting like we can take everything with us to the next, to the next life? Why do we make decisions based on ourselves to, and act like we can take everything that we have in our house with us to the next spot? If we want to heal ourselves first, we need to make sure we get over ourselves. Number two, a little bit more spiritual side of things, is we need to trust God completely. We need to absolutely trust God with everything in our being. It's really easy to say, greed, we need to trust in God. But it's a very difficult thing to do, if you can agree with me. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. How many of you guys, let me ask this today, how many of you guys worry about stuff? Let me be more specific so we don't cover a big topic of worry today. How many of you guys worry about not having enough or something will fail you that you have bought? How often do you think about money and worrying about it's, it's just not going to fulfill the complete needs that I have in my life. It's kind of like Monopoly. How many of you guys play Monopoly? It's a terrible game. I don't recommend playing it. There is so much stress that comes with Monopoly. I actually know families at this church that have banned Monopoly from their household because there's so much frustration, so much anger, so much backstabbing in a family all at once that they're like, we're never playing this again. This is a terrible idea. And I can just feel it right now. You know when you're wrapping around the third corner? You're just about to go around the fourth corner and you're about to get paid. You know what I'm talking about? $200 in the bank account and you're excited. But the problem is you have to get through, past the two ugly stepchildren 
called Boardwalk and Park Place. And for some odd stinking reason, there's always houses on those suckers. And there's always your brother just smirking, looking next to you like, I'm about to ruin your life. And you pick up those dice and you contemplate, should I just quit now? Maybe if I just quit, he won't beat me. I just said I can, I just quit. And you roll those dice and you say, Jesus, take the wheel, please. It's a funny game, but how many of us go through life with so much anxiety just to take the next step in our life because we're scared that we don't have enough? We're scared that the next step in our life, we don't feel like we have accomplished enough in our life, and we just don't trust God at all. We think the next, the next roll of dice is going to completely ruin us, and we're going to go through those, that park place and land right on it, and they're going to take everything from us. We think in our life we need to take and be secure with the things that we do. The hard reality is that the things that we're most passionate about here on this earth, these earthly things, are the things that are ultimately going to hurt us in the long run and will fail us. They did a study about income versus satisfaction and just feeling like you're going to be okay. They asked a bunch of people around the United States and said, how much money do you need just to be like, be okay. Not like you're, you, need, you can retire off this money, but you don't have to worry about finances. Like, you don't have to look at your bank account every week to see if you can buy Starbucks. Like, it's, it's, it's that. So they went through a bunch of different income brackets, and the first thing they asked somebody that made about $30,000, roughly about the minimum income here in Jesmond County. And they said, you know, if I made about $58,000, I would feel good. I, I think I'd be okay. So then they went up to a person who, who made $50,000 and asked, how much money would you need to make in order to feel okay? And he said, you know, if I made about $98,000, I think, I think we would be okay as a family. I think we'd, we'd, we'd feel like we'd made it. And then they went ahead and asked somebody who made $100,000 a year. And how much money do you feel like you need to make in order to feel okay? And that person came back and said, I think if I made $198,000, I think I'd be okay. I think I'd feel safe and secure in my finances. So they came back with a conclusion after doing the study for a few years, and they concluded that the average person thinks that they need to make double, about double the amount in order to feel okay. Double the amount. John D. Rockefeller, one of the uh, most wealthiest persons of his time, whenever he had his peak wealth when he was alive, they said he owned about 1%, 1 to 3% of all of Americans' wealth. That's how much money this man had. And he was interviewed, and they asked, how much money is enough? And he came back and said, just a little bit more. Greed is something that we can all fall into the trap of so quickly. Greed is something we need to watch out for. Greed is one of those sins that picks up real estate in your, li in your life and you don't even realize it's there. Greed is like that, those uh, ants that take away wood and just destroy the inside structure of your life and you don't even realize they're there until it's too late and you have no structure left at all. We cannot see greed and many of us do not realize greed is something that's in our heart. Well, let me tell you something. Greedy people aren't all rich. 
Greedy people, there's just as many rich greedy people as there are poor greedy people. Sin does not care about how much money you make. I'm going to share another story. When I was uh, doing window cleaning right outside of right outside of college, I was waiting for Kaylee to graduate for her master's degree, and uh, it was a very good job. Uh, we got paid very, very well. We got paid about 30% of the entire bill. Like if you went to a job, you got to take home 30% of how much it cost, which was, which was really great. And if you went to a house, normally you send two people to a house, you would split 30%. So you got 15%. So you would basically clean two houses a day to make around $150 uh, to $200 a day, give or take. Window cleaning money was really good. And Kayla and I weren't worried about anything. We were, we were doing just fine. We had very little bills at all. And I want to share this because this was the reason, um, the main reason I quit this job. We went back to the office. We, we just had a, probably the best week that we had all year. Uh, we got called to clean the uh, sorority houses at UT during the summer, which is disgusting. The amount of glitter and hair, and the windows were like sticky. I don't know what it was. I don't want to know, actually. Don't tell me. Uh, hairspray or something. We, you pull a blind, it was just like confetti everywhere. And even sneezing for weeks. And we got back, and it was a really good job. It was so good that we made... Uh, the amount of money in one week that we made from the three weeks prior. Like, we had a ridiculous paycheck. And we were all excited. We were, we were talking about where we were going to go and celebrate afterwards and have a bite to eat. We even got done early on a Friday, which was great. And on Fridays, we, we took our, everything that was in our van and we put it inside the shop to make sure that nobody stole any of the equipment. And one of my friends, really good friends, his name was Zach, I got him the job at that window cleaning place for the summer before he went back home waiting for his fiance to graduate. And he was just doing training. So he was going from uh, storefront to storefront, just cleaning like five or six windows, and you would clean like 10 to 15 storefronts a day. And he came back, and he was really excited. He had no idea what we were doing. And he said, look, somebody gave me a tip. And they gave him a tip of $50, just $50. And he was so excited. He was like, I didn't know that we got tips at this job. That's really cool that we can get paid a little bit more. And I remember looking at Zach. And I was angry. I was mad that he got that $50 tip. Because I cleaned that place last week and I didn't get a tip. I, I thought that, that $50 should be mine because I've been cleaning that place for months. And he comes in and he does one thing and he gets $50. See, most days before I drove to work, I had like a 45-minute drive. I, I prayed the Lord's Prayer, as I do most days. And in that prayer, it says, God, please give me my daily bread. And in, non, and in, in non-biblical terms, that's basically, can you give me, God, just what I need? Nothing more, nothing less. Let me not worry about finances. Please give me just my daily bread. And I remember as soon as I stepped in my car, God started convicting me immediately. And on that, four, that, was, the, that was the longest 45-minute drive I've ever had in my life. Of driving home, I felt, he got me to the point where I felt like in my heart I killed my friend. It hurt so bad. I remember in our conversation with, it, it seemed like audibly that he said, I can't believe, Rob, that you pray for your daily bread every single day and I bless you with a little bit more. And I just bless your friend with $50 and you're freaking out? $50, Rob, you need to get over yourself. And as I came home to my wife, my, Kaylee realized that I wasn't doing well. I think she probably just assumed that I had a really long week and my body was tired. 
But on that way home, before I stepped in my house to meet my wife, I remember asking, God, I need you to heal my heart. God, I feel like the last four years of learning everything about the Bible, I just threw away in one instant because I feel like I betrayed one of my good friends. God, I need you to heal my heart. The third way that we can heal our hearts is greed is to give. Healing does not come until you give completely. I believe he made the relationship with money, I believe he made my relationship with money at that point on miserable for a long time. I remember the next day, I, on a Saturday, I went to my wife and we, we had a conversation. I, I was normally the person who did finances. I, I did all the bills. She was doing school. I made sure we had enough money in the bank account, make sure we didn't spend too much. I, we gave budgets on how much we were going to spend for groceries. I did it all. And in that moment, moment, I couldn't even look at the bank account. He made it absolutely miserable just to open up centralbank.com to make sure that we had enough. The problem is, every time I looked at that bank account, every time I received that next check, Every time I was given a tip, I looked, look at what's been given to me in my life. Look at my bank account. It's going up. Not very much, but it's going up every single month. Man, I'm doing well. I'm patting myself. I can't wait to spend it on myself. But do you know what healed me over the next two years? Tithing. Tithing healed me. Just the basics of what God asked I remember my, my wife would, would write the check because I can't spell. And uh, she would write it to me. She would write it. And we would get to church and she would hand me the check. I would look at it. And when the offering plate passed, I'd place it in, in the offering plate. And I got so far away and so much greed was in my heart that that first check hurt. We've been tithing this whole time, but Kaylee did it. I never looked at it. The tithing hurt my heart. And over time, I, I started tithing every week or every, every month where my wife would write the check and she would give it to me. I'd put it in the offering plate. And month after month, it got easier and easier just to be obedient to God. And it got to the point where every tip that I came in, instead of putting it in the bank, I started keeping my tips so I could give every single week. And I started giving my tips, 10% of my tips, just the basics of what God asked me to do. And by the end, I couldn't wait to tithe. I couldn't wait to give back to the church. I couldn't wait to entrust God with everything that I had because he had started healing my heart from the greed that was there. John 3.16 is one of the most quoted scriptures, one of the most uh, printed scriptures. Probably most people who aren't Christians know about John 3.16, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The basis of our healing in our life is that God gave something to us. In order for us to be healed in our lives, he had to give. So I want to encourage you today, if you need to be healed from greed in your life, you need to give. You need to give it all. You need to release everything in your life. In my life today, and my time here at Catalyst, and, and studying and, and being mentored by John and Dave over the past years, what I've learned um, about greed can sum up in this sentence right here. 
if there is something that you are not willing to lay down for Christ in your life, then greed is something you struggle with. Let me share that one more time. If there is something in your life that you are not willing to lay down, anything in your life, you're not willing to lay down for Christ, then greed is something that you struggle with. I've been here at Catalyst. This is actually my sixth year anniversary this week at Catalyst. And I've loved every minute of it. And about three years ago, John, uh, Dave, and I went down to a conference called Exponential. And we went down with the purpose of trying to figure out how we could reproduce what we were doing at Catalyst somewhere else. We realized that um, we were going through a transition, and we feel like we could do it, but there was something missing. And we went down to this conference hoping that we found an answer or some way to point, somebody to point us in the right direction. And that conference was life-changing for all of us. That's, we came back, and that's when we started doing the main thing that we do every single week. Uh, that's when we came back and we started, our elders did, does this thing called the, uh, the seven questions where they go over to make sure that we are, everything that we're doing here at Catalyst is going towards Christ and we're not doing anything for selfish desire. We came back and we decided that the only thing that we really want to, uh, re- if we, we say we require anything from our people at Catalyst, we ask for two time slots. We ask you to be a part of a community group and we ask you to make Sunday mornings a priority. All of those things came from that conference when we came back. And after a couple months, we, we believed that we had something that can be reproduced. If we, if we take it to another city or another town or the other side of Nicholasville, we believe that if we take those few things and we apply it to that thing, a church could happen. But we didn't have a planter. I want to tell you guys today that I learned three, uh, two things uh, in the past three years. The first thing is greed can cloud your judgment. It can cloud your judgment. See, at Exponential, when they were encouraging people to go planting, I felt immediately that God was calling me and my wife to plant a church that day. But I didn't want to plant a church that day. My decision to leave Catalyst, I didn't want to do. And I remember for the next couple months, I went into some sort of really dark depression of not wanting to come into the office. I didn't want to go on any events. I didn't want to see John and Dave. I didn't want to see uh, Jenny, I think, was, had just taken over at the end of the summer. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do VBS. And the reason is because I didn't want to face what God had in my life. In fact, during that time, there was probably five or six job offers that just came across my desk of people that wanted me to do youth ministry in other places. And I remember going, finally looking at John and Dave and saying, we need to talk about this. And we sat in uh, Dave's office, and Dave asked me what he thought I was supposed to do in the next five years. I said, I believe that I need to be a senior minister. And at that moment, we realized that I could not stay here long time, long term, because you guys have a fantastic senior minister. He's an incredible preacher. And he guides you guys directly directly to Jesus every single week. And I believe that. I would not want to work under any other senior minister than David Kibler. I would not work along any other executive and associate and video and whatever other job John Kelly has over the next 10 years. There is no other people I'd want to work alongside with. 
And greed started to cloud my judgment because I fought and fought and fought for a reason to stay here at Catalyst. And we came back to that one thing. If there isn't something in your life, if there is something in your life you're not willing to lay down for Christ, then greed is something you struggle with. The second thing is greed can stop productivity. Dave came up on stage and and shared that there are some people here that need to come with us to plant Elevate Christian. If you feel called to go plant Catalyst Christian Church with us, we need to to go right now. We have to have a conversation, and we need to make sure we reach as many people in Lexington for Christ. Some of you guys probably heard when Dave said that, and you felt cut to the heart, and you're like, I don't want to leave. I love it here. This is where my family is. Why would I remove myself from this situation and go plant down the road? I can tell you it's because God's calling you to do it. But also, greed can say, stay. There might be some of you guys that are like, I want to go. I want to go plant down the road. I want to go to Lexington and plant a church and help be a part of that. But the reason that you want to do that is because it's something new. It's something fresh. Maybe you're going through a tough time in your life right now, and you just need a fresh start, and you're using church planning as that avenue. I believe that in this situation, in my last day, I'm going to ask you, is God calling you to go help Elevate Christian Church to plant a church? If God is calling you to do that, I encourage you to follow that calling. If God is calling you to stay here at Cattles Christian Church, then you need to stay here at Cattles Christian Church and you need to continue to minister because there are a lot of people in Nixville that don't know Jesus. But together, Catalyst and Elevate Christian Church, we will move together towards Christ to reach as many people as possible. As many people as possible in two different locations. The greed in its purest form and in business and in church says, I come to church to be fed. But as my time here at Catalyst has shown, we do not come to church to be fed. We come to church because we're here to make disciples. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We are here not to sit. We're here to have action. We're here to, to be changed and have the fruit of the Spirit flow naturally out of us and decide today that we're going to continue to make disciples. It doesn't matter if you're here at Cattles Christian Church or you're down the road at Elevate Christian Church. We, together, all of us here, will continue to make disciples for all of eternity. I'm going to pray for you guys today. And as we continue, then we're going to go into our communion time. Dear and Father, I just want to thank you so much for uh, this past six years. God, thank you so much for the people here at Catalyst. God, thank you so much for the students, for the kids, for the volunteers. God, the hardest thing in the world is to leave family because you called. God, I've had people in my my family move states. I've, I've, I've talked to people who have moved states away from their family because you called them because of a job because of marriage and I hear how difficult that is but I don't know if it even matches parting ways with a family that you've been a part of for so 
all surrounded, all surrounded by you. God, the church is so important because you're the center of it. Without you, none of this is possible, and you are the glue that brings us all together, and this is true family. We take care of each other, we love each other, and we make sure all of us are going towards you in everything we do. God, I've seen people transformed, I've seen people be rid of addiction, been healed of illness, I've seen people's heart change from sin to love all in one day. God, thank you so much. That's all in your son's name.